to Affirming Truths. I'm your friend and host, Carla Arges. This show is a safe place to share our struggles, grow in faith, and root our identity in Christ. My hope is that you will leave each episode feeling encouraged in your journey. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, friends. I have a treat for you today. I think it's a treat. You guys appreciated my conversation with my husband, Terry, so much. I have brought him back. What's up, hubby? Hey, wifey. I'm out of (laughs) retirement. You brought me back from retirement for this. I brought you back. Yes. Last time you were on the podcast, we really focused a lot on, you know, being a spouse of someone that has mental illness, you being the spouse, me being the person with mental illness. Mm -hmm. But coming out of that conversation and a lot of the feedback I got was, how do you guys communicate? How do you guys handle conflict? So we're here. To talk about that. All right, let's do it. I'm excited. Because we've Slightly come, <laughs> you're, you're in the hot seat. We <laughs> have come a long way in our communication. Yeah. Um, we did not always communicate on the same page. We were not always on the same page. And I think for me, there's a little bit of ego involved in that. Like, I think that, I think that sometimes we are so desperate to be heard and to be right and to have our point of view considered that we just push our own agenda. Like there's, there's ego in that we want, we want to win. We want to Mm -hmm. be right. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And I think I probably definitely would charge into conversations with that perspective. How can I win? How can I be right? I, and I think I actually came into the communication area slightly differently, almost the opposite way in that, um, that I, I, I resisted communicating, not as a result of that, because I was worried that I may not win or that I felt like my voice wasn't being heard, but because I just felt like, oh, it's, you know, not worth kind of, it, it's small enough that, or, you know, whatever that may be, it's not worth discussing. And so I would tend to hold things in and then it would come out in other ways that, I, oh, I really should have actually disclosed this and been upfront and explicit about it. And we would have been able to deal with it in a much more productive way. Instead, I held it in until it came out and became a larger issue than it needed to be. So I almost came from the opposite area. Yes. You were very conflict avoiding. Yes. Avoid what I perceived conflict. To be, even, if it, even if there was no conflict, potentially, I was I perceived there that there could potentially yes. be, so I wanted to withdraw. If this might make Carla upset, if this do not might engage. rock the boat, <laughs> do not engage. <laughs> and I think some of that was your upbringing. Yeah. And then some of that was probably reinforced by my own behavior because I was not pleasant back in the day when I didn't get my own way. I had a lot of emotional maturity to do. And I had a lot of growing up to do. And I think I spent so much of my life having to fight for myself Mm -hmm. that I came into this 
with, I have to fight for my way. I have to fight for my rights. I have to fight for this. And it was very siloed, right? Like you were working your agenda. You were doing whatever made you comfortable, which was avoidance. Mm -hmm. And I was doing whatever made me comfortable, which was my way at all costs. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how did that work for us? Not terribly well. No, it didn't uh, work not at all. Well at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, so we both had uh, areas where we needed to improve on how we approached communication. Um, and I think we were, we've arrived, I, I, I think we both arrived in a place now where my fears of avoiding conflicts, perceiving that there might be something, has been reduced in the sense that just because I, I bring something up that I think may be contentious doesn't mean that you're going to perceive it as this is a conflict and there's going to be conflict. So that's actually giving but me even if there is conflict and let's talk about that because mm-hmm. marriage is going to have conflict. Everyone's not always going to agree. You know, we have different perspectives perceptions, we have different perspectives, we have different mm-hmm. upbringings. And conflict as two unique individuals is going to be inevitable. Yep. And I think sometimes the problem is one of two things, which we were both doing, either avoiding the conflict, in which case it comes out in other ways, passive aggressively, or then you yep. blow up over something small because yep. it's been like a pressure cooker. Yeah. Or in me making sure I win at everything. I got to win. I got to be right. I got to have my way. Getting your voice, making sure your voice is heard. Yes. And then, yes so yeah. you're either a bull in a China shop or you're avoiding the China shop altogether. And yet there's ways to be peaceable in the China shop with different opinions. Yeah, and this I, is actually a good case study then. Because if we think about it, now that we reflect on it, we were both in those polar opposite positions Um earlier in our marriage. So we've made strides, which is good. Yes. And I, I really want to, and we touched on this before, but this is so important before we were both working out of ego. What Mm. makes me the most comfortable, even your avoidance, that was about you and your comfort zone. Yes. And mine was about me and, and my wants and my desires. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that when people come into marriage, hanging on to their ego is when you end up butting heads Mm -hmm. because then you're not working as a team. I was working my agenda. You were working your agenda and the marriage was going nowhere fast. Yeah, it certainly didn't. If you look at the outcome of it, it certainly didn't produce any positive outcomes when we took those positions. No, we were con there was constantly an undercurrent of conflict in our marriage. Yeah. There was resentment building in me because you wouldn't talk. There was resentment building in you because you felt like you had to be on eggshells around me because Mm. if I didn't get my own way, I'd throw a fit. Like there was this, there was this, undercurrent in our household that Mm -hmm. was not joyful that was not um humble that was not loving and it affected so many facets of our relationship Mm -hmm. and i think sort of the crux is it came to a point where we had to decide are we in this for ourselves 
or are we in this together? Yes. Is it about our individual egos or is it about what we want to establish as a unit for the future, for our legacy? What type of life do we want to live? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes couples overcomplicate things. Like people ask me, how do you communicate? How do you handle conflict? And it always comes back to this. We're a team. We don't look at a problem as us against each other and the problem. We look at a problem as us together against, against the, the problem. problem. Yep. Right. Yeah. That's the right and- perspective to have. And I think this is where couples struggle in their misguided attempt to hang on to their individuality. They have not come together as a solid unit. And I think sometimes people fear that if I lay down my will and we come together jointly, I'm going to lose a part of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think people get scared of that. Right. But I have found I am more free to be myself when I'm fully supported by my husband. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that you feel that you're more free to be yourself when you're fully supported by me. You see, you yes. can't fully support your partner if you have your own agenda top of mind. You if cannot... you're holding on to an entrenched position, for example. Yes. Yeah. You can't fully be in support of your partner if your ego is at play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Well, and and in in all honesty, when you said at the beginning that I was coming from it as a position of conflict avoidance, that's true. I would say there was a a, a double challenge for me in that not only was I looking to avoid conflict, I was also a people pleaser, which is a bad combination because then, you know, I found I would tend to say, okay, um, both of those things, going to avoid conflict and, and people please, then I would, I would sort of not, not address things in, in a healthy, productive way. And then I would let things just grow and fester so that you're right, there would, things would pop out on a passive aggressive way and small things. And I would, I would choose to say, okay, well, but now I'm going to talk about this, even though I was really upset about something that happened six months ago that I never addressed at the time. Yes. not a healthy way. And that's what you ended up doing. You ended up keeping score. Like if I would sit down with you and say, this is what you've done to upset me today. You were like last week and last year and in 1982 (laughs) and you had a laundry list. Right. And that's another thing that gets in the way of of, in, in couples and having healthy communication. Are you keeping score? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not about keeping score individually. It's about let's keep score of what we're able to address collectively as a married couple um, versus, you know, we each win our side of the ledger. So, uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I think it's important that you dream together, like you get on the same page, right? What are our financial goals as a couple? A lot of people, a lot of couples I find don't dream together. Like, how do we want our retirement to look? What does that mean in our everyday choices now then? How do we want our parenting to look? What does that mean in terms of how we get on the same page with discipline? Like, how do we want our intimacy to look like? You know, sometimes we have all these expectations of one another that are never voiced, and then you're continually disappointed or let down because you feel Mm -hmm. things don't meet expectations, but there's no communication. 
Yeah. You guys got to dream together. You got to get on the same page together. You guys have to have common goals. And Terry and I do this at the beginning of the year. We create, I call it more of a posture board. And we came up with common goals, including Mm -hmm. intimacy goals, Mm -hmm. right? Because we wanted to be on the same page with not every one person feeling neglected or one person always feeling like the pursuer, like we created intimacy goals. We have goals for our future about being debt-free and how we want to live in retirement. And so when you have a shared vision for the future, if you have a shared vision for your life, it's easier to feel like partners. Yes. Did you say? Because then you're sharing the workload to build the life you want. And when you have disagreements, it can be, okay, what is the solution that best aligns to our shared goal? Right. Then you're both winning. Yeah. And each of you has has a part to play in the decisions that you make to try to achieve and work towards that, that goal that you've established. And it also doesn't mean, again, like most goals, it's about progress, not perfection. It doesn't mean that you set a goal at the beginning of the year. Are you always going to hit them? No. Um, circumstances may change, but at least you have that anchor. You have that, that common um, target that you've set um, that guides you to how you want to live uh, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So uh, yeah, it's a good idea to establish those things. Um, and, I, and I think it also helps to, to think collectively in all, in all those different aspects of your life. You know, finances is one good example where I I believe, not that I know this empirically, I haven't done a study on it, but a lot of couples come into the marriage with their own, managing their own finances and they maintain kind of these separate kind of financial lives. They have each have their own bank account and then they kind of talk about how they're going to allocate. You know, at the beginning of our marriage, we decided our finances are are joint, they're shared. We're one. And so we're going to have one bank account. uh, We're going to share all of that. So when it comes to all aspects of our financial lives, um, there's, there's no individual components to them. And that may not work for everyone, but I think it worked for us to make sure that we were aligned and working towards the same, the same future that we wanted to see in our lives. Yeah. And, it, and it's been about working together, not policing each other. Yeah. It's just been a partnership. Um, and I can't emphasize that enough. It's about being on the same team. And then when conflict does arise, I would recommend on the onset of the conversation, ask what you want to achieve out of it. Like if we're having a conflict about money, because, you know, money is a big thing that couples have conflicts on. Terry and I have very different financial personalities that we're learning to blend together. I'll let you guys guess who's the saver, who's the spender, but we have different financial personalities. So whenever there seems to be a conflict around money, we have to come back to what is our vision? What is our goal? And in light of that, how can we work through this conflict that supports our vision? Mm -hmm. And so saying up front of the conflict, what do we want to achieve out of here? Because a conflict is actually an opportunity to grow closer as a couple. Yeah. 
it's an opportunity to get farther apart too, if you don't do it right. But if you approach a conflict correctly, it's an opportunity to grow closer together as a couple. So I would encourage you guys to ask before you have the conflict, how can we approach this in a way that draws us closer to each other? Mm -hmm. And the approach matters. I think, um, you know, just speaking to, from the the male perspective too, my, again, my, my approach oftentimes was avoid, avoid, avoid. And then it just became a dumping ground, which is a, a really bad approach. I think you have to come into these discussions. They don't always have to be conflicts. It can just be something where we want to have a discussion. We make a specific point of talking about something and addressing it. But coming into those conversations calmly, rationally, you know, with the heart of we want to address this together, not, you know, in a very aggressive way, because that puts someone on the defensive right away. And then you're less likely to, to get the outcome that you're looking for. So whether that and we've be- had to learn that with the money too, right? So Terry sometimes yeah. will catch me off guard, wanting to talk about money in a very state of urgency that causes me stress. And so what we have discovered And we're still working on implementing because it's a habit change that we have to do is setting up an appointed time to talk about money is what's going to work. So we're not talking from a place of stress. We're not talking, catching someone off guard. We're scheduling a time monthly where we're going to talk about money. So we're both going into the conversation, understanding what it's about with the shared goal, shared vision. And as a partner, not one person feeling defensive or guilty or anything like that. Right. Yep. And it it takes, uh, it takes work, but I would just say if whatever you need to do, um, whether you're the, whatever role, whether you're the husband or the wife in the conversation, or you're having the discussion, if you need to take the time before going into that conversation to be more relaxed, whether that's, you know, you take a deep breath to say a prayer. Um, you calm yourself because if you come in a bit more aggressive or you seem edgy, you know, the other individual will be able to pick up on that and that will set them, that will immediately get them on the defensive. And I think that's what you want to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a Bible verse. Uh, is it in James or Proverbs? James has some wisdom too. It's in one of the wisdom books, but it's about being slow to speak. Mm-hmm. and slow to anger I think it's James actually that it's in anyways I'll, I'll put it in the show notes but are you when you're communicating with your spouse slow to speak and slow to anger this is one thing that really convicted me because I was quick to speak and quick to anger mm-hmm. and I've learned <clears throat> that it serves a relationship better to be a listener it serves the relationship better to be an encourager. Mm-hmm. It serves the relationship better to operate in grace and to assume the best. Terry is not out to get me. And just because we disagree on something doesn't mean he's out to get me, right? He is still my partner. How can we get to eye on eye, eye to eye on an issue? Mm-hmm. Yep. Very well said. Very well said. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Nothing to add to that. 
And as always, guys, you have to invite Jesus in. God can't just be Lord over your individual life. He can't just be Lord over the small portion you decide to relinquish to him. He needs to be Lord over your whole life. That means you've got to invite God into your marriage. God's got to be Lord over your marriage. Ladies, are you respecting your husband's? Husbands, are you loving your wives? Mm -hmm. Are you going into mutual submission? Yes, mutual. The whole thing about women submitting to their husbands and that gets women's back up, you're missing the whole context of the whole book of, of Ephesians here. It's a mutual submission. Submitting to the other's good means that you both end up with the best. Right. If I am looking for Terry's best and Terry is looking for my best, well, then we're both going to get the best. And how beautiful is that? It's a mutual submission. It is a joy for me to serve my husband. And it is a joy for Terry to serve me coffee every morning. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It is. It certainly is. Well, and, and of course, you know, the the, the part of that verse directed to husbands is to husbands need to love their wives as Christ loved the church, which is a very sacrificial way. Um, and so, death. yeah, yeah. So that's an important way that we have to remind ourselves that we're, we're to serve and love our spouses um, with that example, that, that very striking example in mind. Um, so we always have to, to remember that. Uh, when we're entering into discussions like this or potentially a, a conflict scenario. So Terry, let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Yeah. Yes, Carla. How, let's see how quick you can think on your feet. So as you know, my listeners are females, they're women, mm-hmm. and you can only control your own behavior in a relationship. I can't mm-hmm. control what you do. I can only control how I show up. What advice would you give to my female listeners who have a husband that doesn't seem to be able to let go of their ego and their defensiveness and come together in partnership. Like how could a woman reach through to that difficult spouse? You know, you can't change them. You can only change yourself, but what are some Mm -hmm. things that she could do to help bring about that partnership view in her husband. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that is a very difficult situation. Um, I think, you know, one answer that I would give is, and this is easier said than done, I realize, is if you're dealing with a, a husband or a spouse who, who is um, entrenched and is, is, has difficulty seeing the other perspective, is try to, as much as possible, kind of remain calm. And then just very rationally, as, and I know that's, that's difficult because in those moments that can be very frustrating. Like, again, he's not, he's not getting it. He's not seeing what I'm experiencing. He's only seeing it under his own perspective. I think the more that you can remain calm and then logically explain how, that, how his reaction or how his response is, is affecting you, I think will actually go a long way to actually starting to break the ice and having him recognize that um, 
he's not seeing things in the proper perspective. Because if you if you maybe react um, a bit more aggressively and say, you know, you always react this way, you know, I'm sick of having the same discussion, then it just everyone will retreat to their own neutral corners and everything gets entrenched and it doesn't lead to to changes of behavior. So I, I think the best thing I can suggest uh, as I think about it is um, try to remain as calm and rational. It doesn't mean you need to back off, but you can be calm, rational, and respectful and explaining to them, this is how I'm viewing your response. And I want you to try to understand how that's affecting me and how if we can come at this a little bit more in a partnership view, that would be much better off for our, our own relationship. So I think that's what I would say. Yeah. And I think there's also a proactive approach to take, right? Like that's great advice in the heat of the moment, but I think there's a proactive approach to take too, that when you or your spouse are on good terms, when you're in that honeymoon stage, that you decide to sit down and cast a shared vision. So then you can keep coming back to that shared vision that they agreed on. Remember when we talked about this and you said, this is what you wanted? How is this aligned <coughs> to that? And taking them back to what they agreed they wanted, taking them back to the vision that you shared. Mm. And as yep. I was praying, right? Like you got to pray over your spouse. You got to pray that God helps you to love them the way God loves them. And also pray that the Holy Spirit would soften a hardened heart. Yes. Because usually a spouse has become that way because of their lived experience. What is their lived experience that has caused them to be so egocentric? What is their lived experience where you can show compassion that has shaped them the way that they are? Yeah. And you have to remember, I mean, this isn't, you know, your fault. They've come in this way, as you mentioned, through a life experience, they may have, this may be a long-standing, deeply rooted response. It has nothing to do with you, whether that's from their upbringing, their family situation, their family dynamic. Um, so it's not on you at all to try to change that. Um, that, that can take time. And so that, that it's, it's difficult, but yes, that's trying to undo potentially years and decades of, um, you know, embedded kind of uh, entrenched systems of how they think. So um, it may take some time, but yeah, that's, that's, I think the way you need to approach it. Well, thank you for having this conversation with me. Thanks for inviting me. I hope, I hope this was worthwhile and I hope there's some value that I contributed in this. Um, yes. We'll have listeners. to have you back for season four for more marriage talks. I'll I'm find out, I'll find out what people want to talk about. Ladies, email me, DM me on Instagram. What marriage talks do you want to hear? Happy to come back anytime. And I'm going to do a plug right now, guys. Terry, I'm going to plug you. So this episode is dropping in August. Terry is launching a podcast in September, September 13th. It's called the Manhood Minute. Get your husbands to subscribe to it. It's going to be a great source of encouragement for men, um, just coming together and looking at topics like wellness and mental health and marriage and fatherhood and finances and all, all the things, all the things Terry is going to give a Manhood Minute talk on in his podcast. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. 
You also have a manhood minute club or group um, where men can come together and be held accountable for their wellness, very much like I have with In His Image Wellness um, Collective. And it's just going to be a great place for men supporting men. There's Thanks for the plug. plug. <laughs> I appreciate it. One more month to go in a little bit. And uh, yes. I think this will be helpful to uh, men who who need a little bit of encouragement, support community around their own physical, mental, emotional, financial well-being, um, because uh, we need to do a better job of investing in our own health so that we can support our wives, our kids, our communities, our friends and families in a better way. So um, uh, we're going to look at some practical ways we can do that. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, be blessed. Thanks for having me, darling. I'll see you upstairs. (laughs) Bye. Before you go, did you know that I offer one-on-one mentorship? If you are feeling stuck in the cycle of negative self-talk, if you are having trouble replacing the lies with the truth, if you need support in building mental resiliency and really growing in confidence in God and your gifting, I want you to send me an email and see if a one-on-one mentorship session is right for you. Be blessed. Thanks for joining me today. I hope we're already friends on social media, but if we're not, come find me on Instagram at Carla Arges or at Affirming Truth. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye, friends.